Hey, this is Taylor and welcome back to another message from Elevate Retake. This week, we are in our new series, Immersed, preached by Pastor Michael Gibson. The title of this week's message is Baptized Again. A key text we will be taking a look at is found in Acts 19 verses 5 through 7. And it reads, As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. A key theme we will be taking a look at or your engaged question to ponder as you listen to this message is when should someone be rebaptized? God, we're here. We're thankful that we have a space and a time set aside to worship. As we've come into this space, God, I pray that anything that we've brought with us, the anxiety, the fear, the baggage of this week, that we were able to leave it at the door. And if we weren't able to leave it there, maybe it's just at our feet right now, but may we be totally engaged with your Holy Spirit. As we've come to seek a knowledge and an understanding of Scripture and know more about you, God, we're thankful that you, the author of Scripture, show up. So God, we're here. We're diving into Acts chapter 18. We pray that this space is holy ground, that we might come and meet you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Acts chapter 18, verse 24. It reads this way in the New Living Translation. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, an eloquent speaker who knew the scriptures well, had arrived in Ephesus from Alexandria in Egypt. And in verse 25, it continues on. He had been taught the way of the Lord, and he taught others about Jesus with an enthusiastic spirit and with accuracy. However, he knew only about John's baptism. So we meet this guy. He's a Jew. He's from Alexandria. His name is Apollos. I'm sorry if I said something, Spencer. It's, it's, that's my bad. That's my bad. He's an eloquent speaker. Knows scripture. He's renowned. He's coming from a place that was known for it being a center of learning. You may have heard of the Library of Alexandria in Egypt. One of the largest collections of the old ages burned down, lost to history. He was, could have been a student of Philo who lived around that time, and he was vivacious and just ready to tackle the world, an enthusiastic preacher, someone who is ready to share Jesus with those around him. But the author of Acts says he only knew about John's baptism. He knows about Jesus, but only knows about John's baptism. And a couple of weeks ago, we looked at John's baptism in particular. You can go check out our YouTube page and go back to that message or a previous episode of our podcast. Go back to a voice crying in the wilderness and you can hear about John's baptism. But to catch us up to speed today, Matthew 3 verse 11 puts John's baptism this way. I, John the Baptist speaking, baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I am not worthy even to be his slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Speaking of the one to come who was Jesus, 
who would be, bring a spirit of truth and would baptize us in the Holy Spirit and in fire. But Apollos only knows about the baptism that's for the repentance of sin and a turning to God. How do we grasp the two of those? And what's the difference in this thing about rebaptism? Where does our understanding come from? John baptizes with water. Jesus baptizes with the Holy Spirit. There's a question that comes to my mind as I'm wrestling with this passage about Apollos. He, he, it, Luke, is, or Luke is clear in Acts that he was understanding of Scripture, but he, didn't, he was teaching accurately, but he didn't have a full understanding of what the baptism of Jesus was all about. The question that comes to my mind is, what theological truth might I not have a complete grasp of? And how do I wield that knowledge? Where do I need more clarity in my understanding of who God is and what his way is? Us as a community, where do we need to find a space of more clarity and understanding of who God is and what his way is? It's a humbling position. It's a place where you realize that you don't know everything that there is to know about a particular topic or subject, and you need a little bit more understanding. That hits home a little bit. So we like to know and profess what we know in very clear and tangible ways, but maybe there are spaces where we need to shut this a little bit more and open these a little bit more. But all is not lost for Apollos. There's, there's a husband and a wife, a family that come along beside him and help him grow in his understanding. The story continues in Acts chapter 18, verse 26. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him preaching boldly in the synagogue, they took him aside and explained the way of God even more accurately. Praise God for the Priscilla's and the Aquila's of our community. Those that are willing to, to lean in to a difficult situation and pull a young budding preacher aside and say, hey, this is what we're hearing and we're not sure that it's matching up with our understanding of Scripture. Here's maybe just a little bit more accurate understanding for you to take along the journey. And a quick note about Priscilla and Aquila. They were tent makers. They were friends of Paul. They worked together in their tent making business and spread the gospel through selling tents. They're a husband and wife, and often in scripture, they're listed as Priscilla and Aquila, the wife first, the husband second. They were both used to teach Apollos a more accurate way and an understanding. Priscilla the wife is not the one off in the corner serving them a little bit of tea while the boys get to talk. They're both yoked together, bringing an understanding to a young person who's in need of a better way and a knowledge of who God is. I like to think about Apollos this way. Just imagine in your mind for a moment. Apollos, this young, enthusiastic, spirit-filled preacher who's gung-ho for who Jesus is. He's a young adult passionate about Jesus and church. He shows up at Elevate regularly. He helps out down at the food bank. If we have young at all events, he's the first one to volunteer to run down to Walmart to pick up the supplies that we need. You might regularly find him at the local coffee shop or boba shop, soaking up some insights of scripture and talking with fellow young adults, digging in to scripture. He's a diligent student of the word and is passionate about sharing the gospel but he doesn't have a firm grasp on 
the reality of Jesus' sacrifice and the mission and purpose and what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is all about. He's zealous for right living and for repentance, but perhaps is missing the blessing of the grace offered by the Father through the Son, by the power of the Holy Spirit. What do Priscilla and Aquila do? They've got kind of two options. They can, they can completely, well, maybe three. They can shun him. They can do nothing about it. And just like, oh, he's just a, just a young kook who's, he'll, he'll, he'll grow up in his way sometime. Another option is that they can directly engage with him and tell him, Apollos, you are flat wrong. What are you talking about? How can you even serve in this church if you don't understand what the baptism of Jesus is about? But Priscilla and Aquila choose to take the third route. They choose to lean in and to disciple and to mentor a young person who's just slightly off in their understanding of God and understanding of what Jesus had come to do. They lean in and explain to Apollos a more accurate understanding of the way of Jesus. Question in my mind, and you might be picking it up already, how are we explaining the way of God more accurately to those around us? Take a moment and look to your neighbor, to the left, to the right, maybe behind you or in front of you. How are you taking moments throughout your day to more accurately explain the way of God to the people sitting next to you? And not in a way that says like, I've got it all together. But maybe, just maybe, the asking of a question or a simple comment leads to someone thinking about what they have just articulated and leads them to a better understanding of the love and the grace and the mercy of who Jesus is. And this is what happens after Priscilla and Aquila have leaned in, have discipled, and have mentored young Apollos. He's turned towards mission, Acts chapter 18, verses 27 and 28. Apollos had been thinking about going to Achaia, and the brothers and sisters in Ephesus encouraged him to go. They wrote to the believers in Achaia, asking them to welcome him. And when he arrived there, he proved to be of great benefit to those who by God's grace had believed. In verse 28, he refuted the Jews with powerful arguments in public debate. Using the scriptures, he explained to them that Jesus was the Messiah. Praise the Lord for Priscilla and for Aquila. The older folks in the community who are willing to lean into the younger folk and say, hey, let's work this out together. Let's seek a more accurate understanding of God together. You might be thinking to yourself, hey, uh, so what, what does this really have to do uh, with, with rebaptism? I mean, you know, Apollos kind of gets a better understanding that the baptism of Jesus is the, the, the baptism that's by the Spirit, and it's pointing back to, to, to Jesus' sacrifice and grace. Everything's been won. It's good to go. But Apollos isn't rebaptized. And that was okay for Apollos. He had come to a better understanding of who Jesus was, and it propelled him to mission. It's a clear and obvious uh, end point or a continuing point. For when we in our lives come to a better understanding of who God is and a better articulation of the grace and the economy of mercy, it propels us to then go and tell other people about it. But there's a group in, in Ephesus who still don't understand it. And the story continues on in Acts chapter 19 because the ending part of Acts 18 is directly connected to Acts 19 because while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus, the place that Apollos had just left. It was on the coast 
where he found several believers. He finds this group of of people and we come to know at the end that it's 12 men who kind of have this interesting understanding of the gospel of Jesus. He engages them in a discussion about the Holy Spirit and he asks them this question in Acts 19 verse 2. We'll go to the next text. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed, he asked them? No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul is kind of getting to the core. He's saying, you guys have the Holy Spirit? You smelling what I'm stepping in here? And they're like, no, we don't get it at all. And perhaps they knew of the Holy Spirit, but they hadn't heard that the Holy Spirit had been poured out after Jesus' ascension to heaven on the day of Pentecost. Paul's not done with them yet. He he continues to ask them questions in verse 3 of Acts chapter 19. Then what baptism did you experience? And they replied, the baptism of John. Remember, John's baptism is one of repentance, one turning from sin and turning back to God. And Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin, but John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. The baptism of John was pointing forward towards what Jesus would do. The baptism of Jesus is pointing back to what Jesus has already done. It's likely that this group of believers knew that Jesus had come in fulfillment of John's prophecy, but they were faintly equated with the idea of the Holy Spirit being poured out in their lives. They had yet to have a full understanding of the sacrifice of Jesus and to who John was pointing. Warren Worsby in the uh, exposition commentary puts it this way. Paul explained to them that John's baptism was a baptism of repentance that looked forward to the coming of the Messiah, while Christian baptism or the baptism of Jesus is a baptism that looks back to the finished work of Christ on the cross and his victorious resurrection. They'd kind of missed the point along the way, or they didn't have a full articulation of what it truly meant to be baptized by the Spirit. And here's how these gentlemen respond in Acts chapter 19, verse 5. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They'd come full circle. They had an understanding of their sinfulness and their need to turn back towards God, but they haven't fully realized in their life the significance of the sacrifice of Jesus and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And Paul doesn't finish with them there. It continues on in verses 6 and 7 to talk about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. In the moment of the conversation with Paul, they received immediate conviction. And here's the thing about this group in Ephesus. They were willing to listen and they were willing to learn. Do we regularly set aside spaces in our own lives to listen and to learn? Do we regularly set aside spaces in our community to respond, maybe not respond, but to listen and to learn? And do we listen to respond or do we listen to understand? Because these men were listening to understand and say, we've got an incomplete picture of the gospel of Jesus and now we know what prevents us from being baptized. This is what we've got to do. And Paul re-baptizes them in the baptism of Jesus and the Holy Spirit is poured out on their lives. Acts of the Apostles, page 258, puts it this way. 
When they received baptism at the hand of John, they did not fully comprehend the mission of Jesus as the sin bearer. They were holding serious errors, but the clearer light, the, the clearer, what with clearer light, they gladly accepted Christ as their redeemer. And with this step of advance became a change, came a change in their obligations. Immediately in that moment, they realized there's change here. There's something that's drawing me, that's calling me. And I am going to follow after Jesus. So where does that leave us? Where do we fit into then? When should someone be rebaptized? Because we looked at two different groups of people. One, Apollos, had a categorical shift in his understanding of who Jesus was and was not rebaptized, but was propelled towards mission. Another group, 12 men from Ephesus, who had another categorical shift, the same shift that says, oh, I get it now. John's proclamation was incomplete in so far that it was fulfilled in Jesus. And I get it now. He's the sin bearer. He's the one who's come to bring grace and mercy to my life. We've got to be rebaptized. Got to have the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on our lives. Both of these times were a shift in understanding of what the true gospel is. So the question, when should someone be rebaptized? And the answer is yes. Maybe for you, you've had a categorical shift and you've realized that Jesus is your savior. You were baptized when you were young and you didn't fully get it at the time because as we learn to grow in our relationship with Jesus, we are unfolded more and more the mysteries of God. And that's okay because we need to grow. If we knew everything when we were young, what would be the point of being baptized? I mean, like we got to grow, right? But maybe there's some of us in this room that really didn't get it when we were younger. Maybe there's been a shift in your life that you've been, you've been burdened by the, the inability to be able to walk in the way of Jesus because the bar just seems so high. You've been trying so, so hard. But recently, or maybe even today, you've come to the realization that Jesus is the sin bearer and the one that extends grace and mercy towards us. That salvation is no longer a transactional matter, that there's something I have to do in order to be saved. Jesus has already done it. And maybe for you, it would be a good marker in your life to place a flag in the road and say, this is where I need to be rebaptized because I get it now. I understand more completely what Jesus has done in my life. So when should we, should, when should we be rebaptized? The answer is yes, that's up to you. That's up to you and God. As you are journeying together, coming to a better understanding of who God is and who Jesus is in your life. May 1st, we're gonna have water in the tank. If it's baptism for the first time, baptism for the second time, a rebaptism doesn't matter. Come talk to me, come talk to anybody on our lead team. Uh, and I'll also put a, a QR code up on the screen if you'd like to respond digitally in this way. Here's the key. The similarity between Apollos and 12 men of Ephesus was a relational living and a relational focus. It took Priscilla and Aquila to mentor and disciple the young Apollos for him to have a categorical shift and understand who Jesus was. It took the mentorship and the discussion led by Paul to help the 12 Ephesian men understand who Jesus was. And that everything that we do in Christianity today and following in the way of Jesus points back to the fulfillment of his life being cut out on the cross, being raised on Sunday morning so that we too 
could walk in newness of life. So here's how I invite you to respond today. What has the Spirit convicted you of? Maybe for you, you would like to disciple and mentor young adults in this community. We need more Priscilla's and Aquila's. We need those of you who have been blessed with many years. We're not going to talk about hair color or the amounts, but maybe you've been blessed with many years. Maybe you'd like to mentor and disciple some young adults in this community. If that's you, um, ask the young adult sitting next to you to scan the code on the screen, and you can, uh, you can respond um, in that way. And maybe you're an Apollos. Maybe you've got that, that passion and that enthusiasm that you're like, I know where I'm headed. Maybe you'd like to be mentored by the Priscilla's and the Aquila's and the Paul's in this community. If that's you, you can respond here. And as always, as we've been asking for the past couple weeks, maybe it's time for you to be baptized for the first time, that you've you come to the realization that God is real, that what Jesus has done in your life, it's visceral, you can feel it, and you know that you are being called to walk in newness of life. And you'd like to step forward through the symbol of baptism and proclaim to this community that you are dead to sin and alive to Jesus Christ. That might be you. And if that's you, you can scan the code on the screen, click that I want to be baptized button, talk to me after, talk to any of our lead team. We'd love to talk with you. And the last thing, those of you, maybe you've been mulling rebaptism. What does rebaptism? When should I be rebaptized? The answer is up to you. Maybe you've had that categorical shift that you've realized that an old way is no longer that way and you need to be raised to walk in newness of life, of understanding that what Jesus has done for us is done for. Like, we, we are saved, full stop. We can walk in newness of life because what Jesus has done. Maybe you've come to that realization and you say, hey, that water, that's the symbol that I need, that marker in my life that I'm gonna move forward from here, knowing and believing that Jesus is Lord of my life and he's already done anything that I could possibly do in order to earn salvation. If that's you, I invite you to respond or talk to us out here afterwards. The key is relational living. As we bump into each other on a daily basis, I encourage you to lean into those around you, to ask candid and pointed questions and to be led by the Holy Spirit so that we as a community can grow and help each other walk in newness of life. That's what I want to do. How about you? The answer is yes. Isn't it crazy that it's that simple? But the whole idea is that Jesus has done everything for us. He was crucified on the cross to save us. He has already held out his hand. Now it's our turn and it's our decision for where we want to go in our spiritual walk with God. He's done his fair share. Now it's time for us to do ours. What a blessing that is. I look forward to sitting down later this week and talking this through with Pastor Michael and our guest, Danae. Be on the lookout for that. It is going to be uploaded and produced later this week. Thank you so much for listening. I hope it bless you as much as it did me and we'll catch you later.